Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Somos Mas, the official podcast of Somos Mas NM and your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United and the New Mexico Runners. My name, of course, is Seth Bidoff. Joining me this evening, the one, the only Jacob Terrell, and somewhere back from the Black Lagoon, Earl Nieto. Uh, <laughs> glad to have you guys both here this evening, Full House. Earl, we are glad to see that you are alive and potentially well, although you're probably trapped in the cabin in the middle of nowhere. He's at, he's at the hotel that they filmed The Shining at? <laughs> yeah, sure. We'll go with that. <laughs> At least it appears as though you're not tied to the bed as you know, as if you're in the movie Misery. So okay, okay. Um, I, didn't, I didn't know where you were going with that. I, uh... Um, if if I'm be clear, <clears throat> you have only seen my left hand. I don't want to know where the right hand is. It could go so many places, and we've got already a, a comment here. Wow! Hi, Earl. She's shocked. She Jane Lilly is shocked that Earl is here. Uh, we appreciate you, Jane. We are also shocked that Earl is here. I am shocked that I am here. Especially since I got a phone call from him about 30 minutes ago saying he was probably going to be late because his house was flooded. Uh, your yeah. house is flooded? Yeah, my rental that I'm in, it, uh, it, it flooded. But he's still Not here. A love so third let's, world let's, let's give him, let's give him yes. some props for being here. Earl is with here. A, with a flooded oh, AD. He overcame no a flooded soundbite? house. Overcame a flooded no house bite? to get here for the first time in a month. No, no, no soundbite? What the shit's happening here? We have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Are you trying I'm to play a soundbite? No. There's your soundbite, Earl. Oh, God. That's the only one we have loaded. Sorry, everybody. Yeah, that that is the only sound clip we have loaded on the on the on the soundboard currently. Uh, but yeah, full house tonight, and it's it's about damn time. Um, you know, we've got oh, just, sorry, we've got just under two months until Jacob leaves uh, to go to the police academy. Uh, Earl, we have we're, we're hoping that you're back permanently from the from the Black Lagoon. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, uh, to that, we do have people lined up to potentially to come in and help fill, fill the spots uh, while Jacob is out and should Earl need to be out as well. Uh, we, so we do have some great folks coming up for you guys in the coming weeks and months. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. We had attempted to get Peter Shrevesani on the show tonight. Found out today that Peter is actually traveling abroad. So no Peter tonight. We were hoping to talk to him about the coaching change, which obviously is the Big news from over the weekend, and we'll get to that here in just a couple minutes. But uh, first off, the Mexico United did play Saturday night at the lab. Devin Sandoval night. El Paso Locomotive came in, one of the hottest teams in the USL Championship right now. They, had, they were eight unbeaten coming into the match. They extend that to nine with a 1-0 victory over New Mexico United with, uh, honestly, a, a really well-placed header at an opportune time for El Paso. And so um, we're not going to spend too much time on that match this evening because obviously like I said, the bigger story is the coaching change. So Jacob, you and I did a, an instant react Saturday night. You were obviously out at the lab. Um, so was yeah. I. Earl was out at the lab as well. Um, I don't know if the two of you actually like got together and, and conversed and had, you know, time together. <clears throat> yeah. I had saw him for about five minutes, about five minutes. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, it's good to know that early that you are alive and that you are allowed out of the house 
for well yeah i was actually waiting for my link for an instant reaction which is kind of good that i didn't give you guys an instant reaction because there would have been a lot of curse words well i don't see how that's any different from any other show so <laughs> um You're not I, wrong. uh god jacob um I, i'm not even gonna address that here yet but i mean just just refresh the folks that didn't catch the instant <laughs> reaction on saturday can we can we time out for just a second sure I don't want to give El Paso more credit than they do we, deserve. Can we time out? Can we time out for one more second? No. Yeah, you just yes. No, you one second. Time. One, just one second. Where the shit is my hot my burning question? I mean, we're getting to that. It, it's coming. That, it's coming. We're not doing it immediately. I've got one. I do have one locked and loaded, but it's coming here in just a little bit. What the fuck's going on? I don't know. This is sure chaos. Earl comes right back now. and thinks he thinks he runs this thinks he runs the show. <laughs> well, what are you talking about? Are you talking to somebody else? Oh, I then we lost Earl's there. Me? Anyways, no. I, no. Earl, okay. Earl was asked about a burning question. Reset. Reset. <laughs> I swear we're professional sometimes, guys. Um, back to El Paso real quick. I don't want you to give them too much due. You said eight, they made it nine. It's actually six, they made it seven. No, they were eight unbeaten because they lost the three and then they won. They were unbeaten at eight. Oh, straight. unbeaten. No. Yeah, unbeaten. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, they're unbeaten now in eight straight. No, fuck. Never mind. I'll pass this day. It is nine. It is nine. Because they were I was thinking eight. I was thinking winning. Mm-hmm. Winning, they have won six, now seven. Yeah. So that's what I was going off of. Not I forget about ties sometimes still. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Fair enough. Um, so I mean, yeah, I mean obviously you don't want to give them too much credit because you know, we are, we are defensively, we actually did play fairly well Saturday evening. Um, it was just a, a well-placed uh, cross, really well-placed header <clears throat> by El Paso. So, I mean, instant reaction to that match. I mean, was there anything glaringly bad from United in that match? Was there anything, you know, that stood out as being a positive from that? Yes, there's one thing that stands out glaringly bad. Okay. One thing. And it is the guy that's wearing the C on his arm. I mean, we should have expected this, right? Yeah, we should have, you know. Yeah. Um, I, like I said, king of hot takes and bandwidth problems. Um, so, <laughs> no. I didn't think the he God. was. I, I didn't think he had that bad of a night. That's all I'm saying. He has, so had, he, had a, he has had plenty of bad nights. I didn't think I know Saturday has. night was that bad. Um, Saturday night was actually one of his better nights. Okay. But he was also... So, so then the how is he glaringly bad? He was the worst thing on the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> and once again... I can you, can you just state his name for the record, please, sir? Sam Hamilton. Thank you, sir. I was expecting him to say JPG, but... <laughs> JP Hamilton. Also, JP also Hamilton noted, sounds like a banker. Yeah, it does. Called JG Hamilton. <laughs> uh, Eight, five, seven, on the pitch. So so Hamilton was your glaringly bad aspect of the yeah. night. What was, what was the good that you took away from Saturday night? The good that took away from Saturday night. Wags getting to start. Okay. 
And you know, to Aaron's point here, immediately following the match in his post-game interview with Andy Hageman, uh, former head coach Zach Prince, you know, actually is singled out Sam Hamilton as having a really mm. good night. So, I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. So, I mean, Earl, for this being the first match you've seen in about three months, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, realistically, like, what, what more could we have done other than, you know, put more shots on target? I mean, five shots throughout the entire match. I think we had two on target. So I love like, when you set me up for these questions. Yeah. I fucking love it. So what could we have done different? We could have scored more goals. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Chris. This I I I don't know. <laughs> uh, Picked up right where I left off. Yeah. Welcome back to Earl, everybody. Thank you, guys. Uh, I tell you, it's a much different show when Earl's on. I'm not going to say better or worse. <laughs> it's just much different. Earl, you have been so, missed. You have been missed. So, in, what, in your opinion, what is the glaringly bad spot of this show? Of the show. Hi, it's me. I'm the problem. Hi, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. I will say this is the highest number of viewer live viewers I've seen in a long time up here in the corner with almost ten. Uh, and I blame. Well, I think part of it's uh, what's going on with the club right now. People are interested, but I also think Earl Earl here is are you broadcasting in a sauna? I think Sam was fine missed yelling at you. Yeah, I think everyone missed yelling at you. <laughs> So uh, there were comments made on the uh, social media saying it took the to the crowd quite a while to pick out somebody to to can, that since Yuma wasn't there. Can can I plead to the fans to let's let's not hate on Yuma anymore because he's old and washed up, and let's let's focus let's focus all that hatred for El Paso on one guy, one guy in particular. Me. No, he plays left back. Uh, and his name is Borelli, and I fucking can't stand. It. I think he's worse than Yuma. He's just a fucking gnat out there, and just drives me up a wall. I was talking to. I mentioned it in the instant reacts. There was a free kick in the second half where he was shoving Colonna over and over, and it probably did it like five times. And then Colonna pushed him back once, and Borelli literally flew onto his backside, and then acted like. He had just been mugged. And then when Sam helped him up and tried to push him to go get back in position, then he stare, stood up to Sam, who's Borelli's like five, five, maybe. I don't know. He's tiny. He's a tiny human being. Um, and I just, I, I, I didn't like him before. I definitely don't like him now. Just so I know what you're talking about. Um, it was kind of like 70th minute ish, closer to the end of the game, right? Yeah. I was actually sitting right there, second row in supporter yeah. section. Um, yeah. Humble brag. Yeah, just a little slight right there, whatever. Um, I only got second row because I got bear port on my back, if that helps you. Um, you're in the supporter section in the second row. I don't know what else you expected. No, I was in like the sixth row at first, and I got bear port on my back, and I moved to second row. Um, hi, Rachel, by the way. I'm sure you're watching. Um, every podcast needs an Earl. And they, that is definitely true. Henry, um, Henry, I agree. Anyways, back to what I was trying to say. The way Sam picked up Borelli was like, it was worth the price of admission. 
because Borelli went flying into the goal and Sam went and walked over and pretty much like pulled him up by the ear and said, no, you're not going to do that right now. Go, go back that way. Yeah. Borelli was obviously a, a thorn in the United side. He got the assist on the goal there in, in the second half. And, you know, he's a guy that we've talked about in, the, in past seasons and he just always seems to be wherever, yeah. wherever he needs to be for El Paso. And, you know, He's not a quite ma- he's not quite a master of the dark arts like Yuma is, but yeah, Borelli is a guy who I don't know, man, who is knowledgeable and very he's very very good at, at what he does. So, um, can we just admit that there's shady things that happen in El Paso? Yes. First, we have the 15 year old who's seen things like a puppy being stomped on, um, which. I don't know what he's doing these days. Probably like slaughtering sheep or something. I don't he's, know. He, he's actually playing quite well for the USA under 20. Uh, yeah, I didn't ask. World Cup, I didn't but... really care either. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have Borelli who's mimicking Yuma. And then there's Yuma who hasn't played against United in like four consecutive matches. So I'm a little disappointed. I mean, there's a lot of shady shit happening down there. <laughs> don't fact check that, Seth. I, Earl I'm fairly certain in, that's not correct. Earl, Earl speaks in Earl truths. They're not truths for anybody else, but they're truths for Earl. Um, I'm pretty sure he hasn't played in quite a while against us, and I'm about to fact check myself. All right, you go right ahead. While, while, while you're doing that, Earl, uh, you know Jacob. I mean, we we talked a little bit about what United did not do well. Um, you know, obviously, offensively, we're still having issues. It looked to me like there is a lack of confidence coming out of that San Antonio match, which is kind of surprising given how how well we played in the second half against San Antonio. So was there something about that that just, like, why didn't that carry over? Why didn't we see that same intensity? Why did we come out and not play well in, in this uh, particularly, you know, offensively? Well, we, we found something out after we did the instant reacts uh, pod um, that kind of to me explains uh i mean i don't know when the players found out exactly but um saturday some point saturday okay so that to me (laughs) is is a pretty good explanation of why we looked so blah with our intensity and stuff because i think players can take it one of two ways if they find out their coach is leaving uh depending on what's going on they can Say hey, let's go win this one for him. Um, but I don't know about you, Seth. I, I know you weren't at the press conference, um, and neither was Earl, even though he had an invitation to be there. Um, when so I got there. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. There was one reason why I wasn't at the press conference, and it's a little five-year-old that stands about yay tall who wanted autographs. Bro, if the players are still in the field, there's not a press conference going on. Nope, she wanted every player's autograph. That the so press she, conference didn't start like ten. Like, she got players like Ford Parker, um, Wags. Yeah, so she got pretty much everyone last that night. So that's why I wasn't at press conference. Hashtag not an excuse, but okay, moving on. Hashtag shut your mouth. Moving on. 
when so I, we got, we finished with the the uh instant reacts and i told you seth on the on that pod that i probably wasn't going to stay for the presser mm-hmm. um but i told you i was going to walk down there and see what was going on so i walked down there uh talked to a few people was actually on my way out when a united staffer stopped me or i stopped to talk to a united staffer um i said bye to said united staffer and they said you might want to stay for this one and right then i had a i had a feeling in my gut but i wasn't sure and so we're sitting there i was talking to chris walker and um adri and and the photographer for seek and strike and we're sitting there just chatting it up and then peter and zach are the only two that come up for the presser and um i think i knew then i think i i, I kind of knew then but i was confused because if it was like a fired situation i didn't think zach would be up there Mm-mm. um so i was a little confused but well the thing to be fair that's not the that's not the first time that it's been just the two of them though yeah but it just just the feeling that that we that i had like mm-hmm. with with the united staffer telling me i should stay um and then them coming in uh it was pretty clear to me that zach had been crying um they sit down zach they don't open up for questions zach opens up with a statement on the game uh and then david says have an announcement this is zach's last match and if the players took it anything like i took it that fully explains what happened saturday because i was shook man um there was a, a line in the presser um zach talks about talked about you know the new opportunity that he's got coming up and and some other things and then he talks about the academy and how proud he is of stuff and then then his last his last line before the first line of questioning was um how he remembered andres robles uh shout out to aaron reader in the chat who just mentioned him uh and i agree i would like to see him more out there he's looked good when he's been out there but he says that he he said let me get the want to get the quote up because i don't want to misquote him and i've got it right here he said and the academy players you know these kids man andres robles looks like a grown man right now and when i first saw him he was a little kid and then and then he just stopped he i mean he would you know how zach talks uh, when he gets on one of those long answers and he just talked and talked and talked and talked and then he got there and he just stopped like on a dime uh and then just was staring uh kind of up over the cameras right in front of him and um and i got choked up like uh say what you will about tactics and Sorry, I'm going to hijack the podcast for a minute and go on my little soliloquy of what pissed me off in New Mexico United Nation and and then just... Yeah, that's definitely going to be part of the conversation tonight as well. And then with Zach leaving and stuff, look, um, we've had the opportunity to have Zach on the podcast a couple times. We've obviously had the opportunity to interview Zach um, at press conferences after matches, at media days, um, after preseason matches... I've talked to I talked to him. Me and my wife talked to him for probably ten minutes at the Black and Yellow Bash this year. Um, you can say he you didn't like his tactics, 
Uh, you can say you had a problem with his sub patterns. You can say uh, the lack of intensity from the players comes down from him. Um, you can say whatever you want about that, but having very little interaction, but still some interaction with him, he he was a stand-up guy, and he cared about every player on that roster from the first team to the U23s to the academy. He spent five years at this club. He came in with Troy and helped build this club into what it is. <clears throat> and you can say we haven't been as successful as you might have liked us being on the field. Or we can say we haven't been as successful on the field as you might have liked uh, you as in just the general you listening or whatever. Um, and whatever you want to say about that stuff, it it doesn't matter because he... He was a good guy. He was a great guy. He is a great guy. He's not dead. He's just moving on. I know. But to just come in and shit on him when he announces that he's leaving um, and, and talk bad about him as a person really, really rubbed me the wrong way. And honestly, had some of the conversations that I had been in on United Nation been in person, uh, it would have been real hard not to throw some punches. Um, but internet tough guys, you know. Um, but he he is he is a great man. Uh, he has a, a great family. And uh, I'm I, for one, am, am sad to see him as a person go. Um, I am I'm not upset about him as a coach leaving. I obviously tr- believed in him as a coach. Um, but one thing that we've learned in the five years is that players and coaches come and go. Um, and we follow that in all the other sports. It's just different with this one because we get to know them. We get to know them on a, a semi-personal level. We get to talk to them face-to-face. We get to ask them. I, I talked to Zach for 10 minutes about his family, and he asked me about my family. And um, and so when the Atlanta Braves general or manager gets fired, you don't know him as a person. You know him as a manager. So it is different with United, I think, for even the fans, because I think the fans even get a chance to know these guys a little more than you would, you know, if you were an Atlanta Braves fan, a Laker fan, a Dodger fan, a a Dallas Cowboy fan. It's just different because of the small, tight-knit community that we have here. And and it's just, it sucks, man. It. I mean, I talked to, to David Carl after the presser a little bit, and I asked him how he was doing, and he was like, I'm doing all right. But you could tell he was down. And I said, yeah, it kind of fucking sucks, man. And he's like, yeah, I mean, it does. But it's part of sports. We're not going to hold back um, Zach from from moving on. And you can speculate all you want about, oh, he quit, and he saw the writing on the wall. That's why he's moving on, and this, that, and the other. Fine, you can think that all you want, but you don't fucking know. You don't know what was going on in his heart. You don't know what his real reasons were. And I can tell you from sitting in that press conference that it was not an easy decision for him. It weighed on him heavily. It was still weighing on him. There was a point after he made that Andres Robles point that I thought he was just going to turn around, and change his mind right then and there, and be like, "Never mind, I'm staying." That's how much it looked like it was weighing on him. So you can hate on the tactics, you can hate on the the results on the field, but don't hate on the man. He was if if you don't know him, I, I don't know him. I I mean I I say Aaron talk about having conversations with him, but I don't know him. 
but I know enough of it to know that I'm not going to shit on him for leaving. Whether the reason was because he was scared of, of the failure that we were having in the moment, but we heard on the radio that it was a month ago that we heard this stuff or that this stuff kind of first came up. And then we went four unbeaten in the USL. So we weren't having a hard time when this first came up and it first got discussed and he first started thinking about it. So uh, I don't want to hear anything about he quit on the team. I don't want to hear anything about, oh, uh, it got hard, so he left. No, this was in the works long before we were even aware of it, long before anybody was even close to being aware of it. And it sucks if you're a fan of Zach. I'm sure there's some people that are thrilled. I know Tito. Tito, I love you, but I'm not happy with you right now. Um, See, there because... are some folks on, on social media that are yeah, ec- ecstatic that he's gone. Right. Which I think I think is really really sad. And if you're if you're listening in, if you're watching in, and you don't know what Jacob was referring to, yesterday on ESPN Radio One One Seven, the team Peter Trevisani in his weekly segment came on the air and addressed some of this stuff. And that's where you know Peter told everyone that this is something that the Zach had been approached around a month ago, um, and that's when you know Peter became aware of it. And so. You know, they the club worked with Zach. the 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 new club that he's going to was working with Zach and with United. And our, Peter basically said that we made a trade for our coach. Um, is what it's going to come across to be. And we're still awaiting the the announcement on the other side. But yeah, it's not. You know, people were saying, "Oh, you know, I know." There's El Paso fans out there saying, "Oh, we caused this." We got you, El Paso fans. Just need to shut the fuck up. Number one, you did not cause this. Clearly, and if you're not, if you're so dense that you cannot go back and listen to the information that's being given by by Peter, by Zach, you know, that's being reported out by those of us that cover the club, there's something wrong. <laughs> go back and read that and take and really soak it in. You know, this is the decision that Zach made over the course of the past month. And listening to Peter talk about it, you know, El Paso is kind of the date that they circled as the potential last day for Zach. Now, the fact that he went out on a loss in a rivalry game, yeah, it's going to suck. But the reactions across social media, across the Mexico United Nation, you know, even over on Reddit, some of, the, some of the reactions there are just completely unfounded. And yes, Rachel, I, I do agree with that there. There's something wrong with El Paso in general. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, like Jacob said, you know, agree with the tactics or don't. And again, that's something, you know, that, that Pete brought up in the interview yesterday. He said, we basically run the same style of play for the past five years. Now, I know some people took that as though Pete was not happy with the way things are going. But, I mean, think we've made the playoffs three out of four years. We had our highest point total ever last year. We were, I think, two points out of hosting a playoff game last year. So it's not like we haven't had success under this, under this style of play, under Zach, under Troy. You know, I, I, I crunch numbers. Zach's. Zach's record, he had a, a 380 winning percentage. Troy had a four like a 415 winning percentage across all competitions. Now, not bad numbers by any stretch of the imagination. You know, and we were on track. You know, we were seeing positive things here this year. And again, this is an opportunity for Zach. Now, the assumption and the rumor that's around and the belief is that Zach will be going to New York Red Bulls to uh, coach alongside Troy once again. And if that's true, congratulations to him. It's a huge step up in his statement. He said he was going to a a, a new league. So he's not, quote, not quote a different league and a different position. Yeah, differently different position. So he's not, 
he's not staying within the USL. He's not taking over a head coaching position. Um, so yeah, that's the assumption because Red Bulls are, have been expected to make an announcement uh, as far as an assistant coaching position over the international break. That's the rumor. That's where we believe Zach's going. I don't see him going anywhere else, but yeah, just, you know, check yourselves before you start putting some of this stuff out there on social media, particularly when it becomes personal and going after Zach as a person and saying that he quit on this club. He did not quit on this club and all of our interactions with Zach and with the players, the players were bought into this system. You know, this is again, five years, similar style of play. Yes. But the players have bought in where we're getting the results where we're getting the, 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 the finishes that we did. No, but you're not, always going to get that in a in a soccer match you're not going to get that in any sport that you play and so you know it's just a massive overreaction from some people and there's a lot of people saying i know some people have been encouraged to go and you know put in their cvs to, to try to apply for the position of the head coach but like those of us sitting here we sit here we watch the matches we break down what we see and i guarantee you if we go to zach we say hey this is what i saw it's actually like, okay well that's not what was going on you know, we do the best that we can to interpret it. And I guarantee you, any of you sitting at home criticizing Zach, you cannot do anywhere near as good of a job as he can. There's only and really there's only one person I would love to see apply for this position. And that's Cole. <laughs> I was Cole Cole was surprisingly quiet. I didn't see anything from Cole. I saw a bunch from other people I know. That pissed me off. But I even tried to stir the pot a little bit and tag him in a po in the comments. And he still didn't say anything. So, Cole, if you're listening, because I know you listen to this stupid thing. If you're listening, by all means, reach out to the front office and say you want to apply. I would love to see one of them laugh at you and ask for your credentials on being a USA soccer coach, head coach, manager, assistant coach, fucking ball boy. Let's let's back up just a hair there, Seth. Uh, You mentioned the success last year. Um, Aaron, Aaron reader, who's in the chat live right now, but he had a comment on, uh, on Facebook, on one of our posts or on the post of, uh, when you put the, like the announcement for that, we're going to go live. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he says, I'm going to ignore the first part of your question first, Aaron, because that's going to be, we're going to talk about Itamar here in a little bit, but the second part, he said, Zach mentioned a bunch of statistical achievements reached last season. Why did it feel like a crummy season then? Why? And that's a very valid question because you look at how we how things happened last season. We were not good for stretches at a time. We just we really weren't, and we did kind of you know you know back our way into the playoffs there towards the end. And that's not something that we did the year before. You know, the year before that we had the opportunity to make the playoffs and we didn't do it. And so yeah, we kind of backed our way in, and you know we we gave. And as is as has been the case for this club over throughout its history, we did not close out matches well at all last year. Jacob, we talked about on the podcast last season about how many times we gave up, how many times we dropped points from a winning position, mm-hmm. and we did it far too many times. Whether it was drop, you know, ending up in a draw or you know, ending up with a loss, and, and that's why. That's part of why it felt so bad last year. But when we had those highs, the highs were, were there. And we did enough to get into the playoffs. But I, I absolutely get the question. I, I completely understand it. And I mean, same thing so far this year. We've had stretches of play where we have not been very good at all. But in, this, in that four-match unbeaten, unbeaten run, we had some very good play. 
we did some very good things and we all and we talked about you know how good things looked and how it could be a turning point in the season and you know it's like that with every sport you know you, you look at you know teams like you know we talk about the cowboys and the braves and the lakers and all that kind of stuff like you know teams are going to have down runs they're going to have down moments they're also going to have those highs and so it, you have to look at it from a greater perspective like you know, while we did have bad moments, we did enough to get into the playoffs. Now, was it where we thought we would be last year? No. Well, and that's and that's the thing there is it comes down to expectations. Um, I think with the signing of Nico Brett and trading for Jerome Kiesewetter and, um, you know, uh, Alexi Swahi coming in, um, there was a lot of new names that came in last year that led us to believe we were going to be really good. Um, and that, that probably, I'm going to, I'm going to say it was kind of on the fans. Like um, we did just come off of a season that we missed the playoffs, just changed head coaching or a head coach. And, and for whatever reason, we thought we were going to come in and, and contend for the cup. And I was guilty of it too. I thought we had a really good team on paper and thought we were going to be able to compete you know, for, for a home playoff game at least. And we did compete for a home playoff game. We just didn't quite get there. And I think you saw flashes of it. Like we had a five game winning streak uh, where we beat El Pat or Phoenix, although Phoenix is B team, um, you know, seven nil. And we just shellacked them. Also in that five game stretch, we had Charleston and we had Indy on the road. We had Orange County on the road and we had Oakland on the road. So, you know, we beat, Charleston on the road, then we beat up on Phoenix, then we go on the road three more times and get three 2-1 victories out of there. Um, and so we saw the good that this team could be. But then after that, we come in and we lose to Birmingham. There's another stretch later in the year. Um, we barely beat by, squeak by a Red Bull 2 team. That was absolutely atrocious. That we probably should have won like four nothing, but we just barely beat them two one on a stoppage time goal. Then we lose at home to Sacramento. Then we get throttled at home by Miami. Then we draw away to Galaxy. Then we lose at home to Memphis. Then finally we kind of get back on the right path with a win against Monterey Bay. But then we turn around and lose on the road to Colorado Springs. So it was the up and down nature, including the next game, which was a loss to El Paso in the lab. Um, that that really kind of led to us being like, oh, we could be really good or we could be really bad. Uh, after that El Paso game, we went and lose to RGV 3-1 to one in RGV. So now we're into the middle of September. We've lost three of four, and we're going to San Antonio, who last year, if you remember, was like sac what Sacramento's doing this year. That's what San Antonio did last year, but probably a little bit better. Uh, so we go into San Antonio, and somehow we salvage a draw. Then we get a draw against Lights, which probably should have been a win. Then we get a draw against San Diego, which, okay. But then we do finish with two wins in the last two games, which were needed to get to that point where we were fighting for a home playoff spot. And so it, the season last year just kind of was up and down and up and down, but you could see the talent was there. And so you had expectations that, Hey, maybe we could do something. And so when that doesn't happen, yeah, you're going to be frustrated. But at the end of the day, Zach was right. It was the most points per game uh, or points per C or points for the season. Most wins, fewest losses. Just a bunch of things there that um, led to if you were just coming in blind, we had a pretty good season. 
Um, and then you go into this season and it's kind of the same thing. You see the talent there at times. You know, we put it together against Monterey Bay. We put it together against Orange County. Um, we've looked good at times, just haven't been able to put it together for long stretches. And and uh, so, I don't know. It just, it's, it's a great question why it felt bad last year, but uh, it did. And now, now we move on. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, now the club moves on. And, you know, as Peter and the front office get into their, their coaching search, um, you know, Peter, again, talking about on 1017 the team yesterday, he talks about some of the difficulties of now finding a coach middle of the season. You know, is it ideal? No. A lot of coaches are currently, you know, tied up with, with clubs and seasons of their own, whether they're MLS, USL. You know, I know, you know, four, a lot of foreign leagues just ended. But, you know, the club already has feelers out. You know, you can't exactly be transparent and saying, hey, you, that you're doing a coaching search before you know that your coach is actually leaving, you know. And, you know, Peter has – Peter Peter is very transparent with a lot of people about a lot of things. Pete, Pete Leakes. Are, Pete Leakes also is a very much a thing, which I know frustrates David Carl and the rest of the front office uh, from the Mexico United Times. But, you know, Pete was very honest in his interview yesterday uh with 1017 and you know he talks about you know looking forward and, and, and moving ahead and he talks about how he reached out to uh former uh play, director of player personnel in a and brings him back as the first ever sporting director for new mexico united uh you know we've had conversations with itamar you guys have a ton have had conversations with itamar you know down on the field and after the game and things like that and you know itamar comes in he's going to be overseeing player personnel as well as coaching signings as well so he's deeply involved in you know itamar if you don't know who he is he's a former international scout um he, so he's been around the game for quite a while he, he also has, has his own agency has his own agency yeah, exactly you know he's so he's been deeply involved with the sport of soccer and so you talked you, you talked to itamar about some of the signings some of the guys that he's helped bring in and you know i think i think this is a big signing for for united here to bring itamar back you know obviously he, he left last year um I don't know what exactly he did in the interim. I think he went back to to scouting or working back as agency. I'm not I'm, I'm, sure. I believe he went to Vegas um, mm. to Lights and okay. and helped build that roster that they had there. If I'm, I could be wrong, but I'm I'm pretty sure that's what he had, he had left to do. Uh, real quick, uh, uh, Robert just said that what I was saying made sense. I just want to make sure we get that on record. Uh, maybe I won't say fuck you, Robert, at the end of this episode. No, who knows? Since you agreed with me on something. <laughs> I think that would be a first for you there. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the club is moving forward and, you know, there's already some rumors about some possible guys being brought in and, you know, Jacob, you and I, you kind of talked in one of our, one of our group chats. I think I believe it was one with uh, myself and Harry talking about a, a Twitter account who has floated some names. Now we have, there are some other names, you know, it's because you, New Mexico United has of course not named a true interim head coach. Uh, Masaki Hemi will be taking over the lead uh, of the coaches for preparation for upcoming matches. And, you know, there's no telling how long it's going to take for Pete and the front office to, to decide on it, decide on who the next head coach is going to be. And, you know, some of the names that have been floated and we'll go get to those here in just a second. And, and Earl, your burning question is coming. I, I promise you that um, this, this Twitter account. And I, again, Jacob, you mentioned it to our conversation with Harry you don't know who this guy is. We don't know how legitimate this guy's sources are. We don't know, 
you know, what sort of connections this, this Twitter account has. Um, three names that popped up. Danny Dicio, Dicio, Richard uh, Chaplow, and Rick Shantz. So, Earl, your burning question for the evening. And it's in Jacob's, uh, Jacob, Jacob's little comment here. Hashtag Shantz in. Question mark. Question mark. Is Rick Shantz a guy that you believe the club would bring in to help turn things around? And how do you think the fan base reacts to a hiring of Rick Shantz, given the club's commitment to diversity, equity, equality, and inclusion, given Rick Shantz's history with Junior Flemings and the way those things went down in Phoenix? Hi, Rachel. <clears throat> Hi, Rachel. Appreciate you hanging out with us. All right. So... I'm on both sides of the fence on this one because obviously I don't agree with his handling of the Junior Fleming situation. Um, for those of you who don't know about the Junior Fleming situation, I'm not going to touch on it, but you can Google it. Um, that's that's a good thing about the internet is it's always there. Um, and you can't take things off. So yeah, just check it out on the Google if you don't know to actually what we're actually talking about. On the flip side of it, you have to look at Rick Shantz and believe i mean i still believe he's a really good head coach even though he had a lousy at best phoenix season um he has rapport with some of our star players um some of our star players on the rush right now with greg hurst and santi moore i mean two of our top players right now have played with him for the past three seasons two and a half seasons or whatever you want to give it. Um, so they have rapport with him. Do I personally want him? Absolutely not. But it's because I believe that I believe fuck Phoenix. Hmm. And with him being a Phoenix head coach, he still falls under that whole, that whole umbrella of fuck Phoenix. Jacob, I, I know that, uh, there, there was some discussion on, on Twitter and on Facebook uh, in the Mexico United Nation and some other places talking about the possibility of Rick Shantz. Where do you fall on, on the Rick Shantz argument? Sorry, I was going through uh, the Twitter account that put those names out to see if he had other rumors, rumors that he had put out there that that had come through. Um the only one recently, he did say that Tulsa was shopping Dario Suarez, and and Dario did leave uh, today. So, um, so there is that. So he maybe he has a little bit of insight. Um, Robert, I don't, I don't, I don't remember that, um, but maybe uh, Moore is a pretty fiery guy, so I could see that happening, but. As it as it comes to chance, um, if you're, I think if you're just looking for on the field success in the USL Championship, he's honestly probably the right hire. Um, so if that's how you define success as a club, is is um, strictly what happens on the pitch, then then maybe he's your guy. To me, New Mexico United is way more than that, and. Uh, 
we need to find somebody that can balance uh, on the field success with um, bringing the community together still. And I think his, his hiring would be way too polarizing to bring in, to bring everybody together. And so I, I just don't think he's the right guy for this particular job because I wouldn't necessarily be happy. I'd give him a chance, obviously. Like uh, I'm definitely in favor of giving giving people chances. And, and you know, it's kind of hard when um, you're in the middle of a very heated rivalry and he's on the other side to maybe think about it, think about that person without any biases. Um Obviously, the 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 Junior Flemings uh, San Diego Loyal incident is a, is a whole separate topic that um, is is really just kind of in the past now. And I don't uh, kind of like with Zach. Uh, I don't know Rick's heart about that kind of stuff. I don't know what's changed in the couple of years since that happened um, in with him and and how he conducts himself and stuff. So I'm not going to hold that against him. Um, so maybe we're wrong. Maybe he's he's a stand-up guy, and uh, would actually go ahead. I <clears throat> sorry, I just remembered something, and it actually changes my entire view of the whole ri- of the whole Shampton. Absolutely not. Okay. Because so here's hear me out on this one. I'm, I do I'm, remember last I'm, season. I'm mumbling. No, no, you, I, I'm listening. I said. Oh. Um, I remember last season when he was having his piss poor performance and Seth's good buddy, one of the Phoenix media members, um, we won't mention names because I won't give him any credit, any kind of kudos or anything. Um, I remember him getting the opportunity like he always does to interview Shantz after the game. And I believe one of the questions was, what went wrong for the for you to lose the match? Something along that line. And Shantz's answer was, the players didn't play well. It's all on the players. Nothing on me. It's not my fault. It's all on the players. Um, so if he can't take accountability, at least some accountability, like, hey, I didn't prepare them well enough, or hey, I, I screwed up, whatever, I don't want him. I mean, fair enough. I, I, you know... I made a comment on, on one uh, Twitter post about it. I said, you know, I, I feel like if, if chance is being seriously considered for the position, if he is brought in, I, I have a feeling that there's going to be a, a big, a big backlash from supporters towards that. Just uh, simply because of, you know, how he's handled things in the past and, you know, h- how the club has presented themselves as, you know, fr- LGBTQIA friendly, you know, uh, diversity the the diversity fellowship you know the you know all the stuff that the club is trying to do to promote uh inclusiveness and i just don't know i don't know if chance is the culture guy tactically managerially i think he could be a good fit but i don't think he's the culture guy and that's not what pete wants that's not what this club wants that's not what the, that's not what these fans want now yes we want to win and chance has a 65 percent win rate in the usl championship um you know, talking about some of the other coaches whose names came up, you know, uh, Danny uh, Dicio, Dicio, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, uh, is currently part of Sacramento Republic. Now, is Sacramento Republic going to let their one of their assistant coaches go midseason? Who knows? 
uh, you know, Richard Chaplow, a uh, guy who was with uh, Orange County in 2021 when they won the championship there. Again, you know, um, obviously Orange County uh, had a poor start to last season. We know how things went for them. So he was let go by them. I, so, here, here's here's where I think we can roll him out right away. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the guy, honestly, but um, Peter was pretty adamant in both the 1017 the team and in the United Sessions about wanting to play an exciting brand of soccer. Mm-hmm. And Orange County did not play an exciting brand of soccer when they won the title no. um, or, or any time that he was there. So I, I don't think that's the fit that Peter seems to be looking for. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. I mean, you know, obviously the, their championship winning season, they had, you know, they had Thomas, you know, who was flashy, you know, by himself. But yeah, I, that style of play, I don't think is what Peter's looking for. Now, I mean, I, I could be wrong. You know, but we don't know what Peter is looking for. We don't know who they've interviewed. We do know that they have talked to folks. We do that they have, you know, uh, started. They have been making progress down the down the coaching search. Um, I other things he did win me three hundred dollars in the championship against Tampa Bay. So <laughs> <laughs> if he does come in, I will thank him for that. There you go. Um, other names that have floated up, you know, locally, um, you know, uh, Coach Heather. Coach Heather Dice, she's uh, she's a name that's been floated. Now, I believe she holds the correct licenses to be able to coach professionally. I know that she has, she has at least a USSF uh, uh, B license. Um, now, I also firmly believe that she's already been tapped for the women's club when the women's club comes. So I don't see her necessarily taking on additional roles here with New Mexico United beyond the advisor role, especially while she is a full-time employee of UNM. Uh, rumor has it, Jeremy, coach Jeremy Fishbein was at the lab Saturday night. Some people have said that they would like to see Fish come in and take over the club. Now, I mean, Fish has not been necessarily a, a coach over the past several years, not since the UNM men's team shut down. But you know, he's obviously he's a guy that has rapport with some of the guys that are currently on the club. Now, again, I don't know what Fish's license are licenses are. I don't know where he stands with that. But you know, two names locally. But I mean, looking at this coaching search, I mean, is this something that the club needs to get done in a hurry? Is it something that the club needs to take their time and make sure they make the right hire? So before before that question gets answered, or not even no. other. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was talking about. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I have been playing FIFA since 1999, so you know, whatever. But I, I'm not throwing my hat in there, uh, for that position. Um, but I mean, yeah, no, I mean, to the back to the question, like, you know, do we need a coach sooner rather than later, or is this something that maybe you see, you know, uh, you know, uh, Hemi and the rest of the guys taking over for an extended period of time, and maybe you know, I don't necessarily want to say throw the season away, but do they have do, you, do they get the opportunity to try to you know? You know, salvage some things, but while the club is making a decision, I think they get their chance. I think they they get played out a little bit and see where it goes. If they continue and they start winning and they continue a streak of wins or unbeaten streak, then maybe they have a little bit more time. But if it's loss after loss after loss or terrible performance after terrible performance. And you eke by with a draw, barely you get a draw. Um, then I think that the club starts looking at a more fast-paced band-aid fix until mm-hmm. the end of the season. Jacob, what do you think? 
I couldn't disagree more. Uh, there's there's still 23, 22 games left. Um, 23, I think. Um, so we're, we're only about a third of the way through the season. We still are, you know, technically, technically, with the game in hand, matches in hand that we have, two wins puts us, like, fifth. Um, so we are right in the thick of it still. And... And I think, I think that when you get this, obviously if, if the coaching pool was, was completely, um, barren, hold on. Apparently my computer is not plugged in and now it's telling me it's about to die. Oh, fun. All right. Um, while you're, while you're, uh, managing to that, another name Earl, and it's a name that we're familiar with, uh, Hamasan Olave, uh, from Salt Lake city a few years ago. He, his is a name that popped up, I believe it was over on the Mexico United Nation. Um, you know, limited success out there. Um, but he kind of got saddled with, you know, the whole MLS, you know, USL, you know, uh, partnership there to where he really couldn't get any sort of rhythm going with any of the players. And so, I mean, do you think that there's a chance that the, that the hire comes from, from within again? Or do you think the club is strictly looking outside at this point? I want to say that the final head coach will be an outside source. I, like I said before, I do believe that they give Hemi and whoever left of the of the coaching staff a try. And Jacob is humming over there. Um, humming again? Yeah. I do believe that they give Hemi and his try and his team and his squad that he has a try. But like I said, if it goes to the pot right away, then they start looking for something quick. So what do you mean by right away, Earl? Like how I'm short of a, it, how short of a leash are you giving him? I'm giving it two games. Hey, I, I, I think he's the manager this weekend. Three. I think he's the manager this weekend and we announce a new coach next week. That's quick. Uh, I, I, I think uh, if I'm if I'm Peter and the way Peter and and Edmar were talking, the fact that they were already kind of making putting out feelers a month ago uh, when this first started, um, I think they kind of have one or two guys that they're already interested in, and they'll get something worked out uh, in the next week or two. Because we're like it's not it's with the talent that we have and the place that we are in the table it is far from out of the question that we can make a run still this season um, with 20 some odd games left. Plus the playoffs, you bring in somebody in the next match or two um, to get their hands in there and, and start making the adjustments. Uh, we still have, you know, a window of opportunities to make some changes uh, player wise to fit what the new coach wants to do. I think the front office, Peter has shown a willingness the last few years to make midseason moves. Um, I mean, last year we brought in, I don't know, three, three guys, uh, or so and just attacking players basically. Um, and so, uh, I think Peter wants to perform well on the pitch and he wants to bring home something. He wants some kind of success. He still, I think he still wants that goal of hosting a home playoff match. And I think he, we still have the talent to do that. Um, and I'm not trying to shit on him or, or anything like that. Um, I think I think Peter thinks that the long-term answer is outside of the club 
and he wants to get that put in place as fast as he can. And so I, I truly believe that by this time next week, we might be talking about a new coach. Yeah, I agree with with a hire coming from outside the club. I don't think, you know, I, I don't think, you know, I don't think Peter wants to look down. And it, like you said, nothing against Hemi, nothing against the rest of the coaching staff. But I, I think you've got to go outside the club, bring someone in who's going to, you know, bring in a different style of play. Because we don't we don't know what type of, you know, system like Hemi would, Hemi would want to run. We don't know what any of the rest of the technical staff would, would do. Um, but, you know, in his interview, you know, Pete did say that, you know, that there's that the talent is there. It's a matter of finding someone that can come in and unlock the talent to get to the next level. And you know, we, we talked, we've seen what these guys can do. We've seen the potential. We've seen what they did, you know, through that format stretch. We saw what they did at stretches last season. And, you know, that's and yes, we've dealt with a number of injuries this year. We've dealt with some some down moments. And yeah, it's just, you know, you, you've got to bring in someone, kind of shake it up a little bit that still fits the culture that the club wants to have. And so um, you talk about this us possibly talking about a new coach next week. I don't think that's the case. I, I think this is something that we may see Hemi and company, you know, in charge of the club for at least three to four weeks. Cause I don't think this is something Why? even with putting out feelers mid season. I mean, this is a, this is a critical moment for the club and I don't see them, you know, you can't really have those open discussions. You like Pete said in his interview, you can't have, open discussions about a managerial role when number one, it doesn't sound to me like Pete Pete was looking to get rid of Zach at any point, at right. least not, you know, at least not right now, based on how the season was going. So, I mean, what kind of conversation is that if you're having with someone saying, Oh, well, we are, we're, we're in good shape right now, but we might get rid of our coach. Like what kind of message does that send? You know? So like, I think at that point, a month ago, Pete and company are putting out feelers to see who might be available. And now, you know, when we when we talked about the Zach Prince hiring before last season, the Zach talked uh, Pete talked about how they received uh, people just sending in their CVs, people sending in their resumes, wanting to come coach this club. And so, yeah, I just I don't think outside of doing due diligence that they've really had any serious talks until maybe the last you know two weeks with the, with any of the candidates that they, that they looked at. And so I think it's going to be another three to four weeks simply to make sure that they've got the right hire, because it doesn't sound like the club has gone through any sort of external, you know, uh, agencies to find someone. Yes. We brought, you know, NMR back in to help with that, but I think it's going to be a few more weeks, you know, to get someone in and sign and then have them like transition in. So it might, my guess is three to four weeks minimum, before we before we see a new coach installed, so we'll take we'll take two and a half weeks from today. Mm-hmm. So that's let's see, let me get the exact date here. That would be around the twentieth. So we'll say the twenty third. So if if they have not announced a coach by the twenty third, I will buy both of you. I, Earl's not, I, I don't think Earl's drinking anymore, but um, I'll buy, you know what I'll buy you? I'll buy you some pig candy at the next home match that we're all at. Cause that shit's delicious. Let me tell you right now, that shit is incredible. And if you're talking about something at the match, I will take a cherry covered pickle with. No, it's going to be a fucking pig candy, bro. Such that's what it is. Mouth. No, Such that's what the bet is. That's what the bet is. Pig candy or nothing. And then if, if they announce one before then, then one of you buys me pig candy, one of you buys me a beer, uh, and we, we call it even there. 
So looking at the upcoming schedule, obviously Tampa Bay this week. Hey, well, is that a deal? What are we yeah. doing here? Yeah, we got a deal. I was, right, I, yeah, we got a deal. I was looking at the schedule. So yeah, Tampa Bay this week, obviously. RGB next week. Then you've got Phoenix. You've got Colorado. And then over 4th of July, you have Vegas and Detroit. So, and then you have a, a week and a half off in between. And before, you know, Sun, the Sunderland match. So looking at, to me, the most, the, the, the most opportune times to, to install someone, if you're looking at getting them in and giving them opportunities to work with the club and train, you're looking at the last week of June, or maybe, you know, right after the, you know, announce the change around 4th of July, and then install them, you know, the, the week of the 10th of July and give them that full week and a half of training heading into the, the Sunderland match. That's why I look at it. So that's why I think, you know, a longer search here is what's going to happen. But that's seven matches between now and July 8th, when we play Detroit city when, between that week off. But I mean, realistically what changes though, the squad hasn't changed. Your, your Hemi is most likely going to run the, he's not going to come in and, and change a whole system. So you're still trying to get the same players to do the same thing over the next seven matches. Yeah, the same thing that has been wildly inconsistent yeah. for a season and a third now. And if you're going to be bringing in a new voice anyways, why not give him the most amount of time that you can give him to make sure this season isn't a complete and total failure? I can see, I can see that side of it too. Like, I certainly can. I just... You know, I just I look at it and that's what I, I just just what I think is going to happen. So, I, I just think seven matches is is a ridiculously long time or a ridiculous amount of matches to be in limbo for a club. Because I, I think we've made I think it's been pretty clear that Himmy's not the long term guy. No, and so if that's the case, then every match that we play with Himmy as the head coach is a match that the players are in limbo. The fans are in limbo. Hemi's in limbo. Everything's in limbo. So why drag out that period of limbo if my guess is they already have one to three guys that they're already interested in, mm -hmm. if not more, or if not less. Maybe they've narrowed it down to one. Um, and if that's the case, then it's... Uh, if, if there's three guys, it's an interview a day for three days and then have internal discussions for what a week, maybe. And then it's just about getting the, the, the contract in order. Um, and so it, 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 I would be stunned if it's not till after that Detroit city match. Um, on July 8th, I mean, a month away, I would, I would be shocked if it takes that long. Harry, how you doing, buddy? Thank you for, for popping in. Um, and you, yeah, Harry. yeah it's, thank you. That's why um, you're team Jacob. And that's why I love you. I mean, I mean, I, I, I don't disagree that seven matches is, is a long time to have an interim head coach, but I mean, uh, it, or not even necessarily an interim, you know, um, you know, cause they, they haven't officially slapped the interim title on hit me. So, I mean, yeah, it is a it is a really long time, and you know, you look at you know Red Bulls now. We believe they're going to officially announce Troy at some point as you know having the the um, the the head coaching the full head coaching title, not just interim. 
based off of how they play, but you know, they're already, you know, four or five matches, four, five, six matches into the interim reign of, of, of Troy the Saint in New York. So it's but not he's not the interim. Of. He's not the interim. He's their guy. Oh, no, I, I know that he is like, I'm fairly certain that he is, but and him he is they not. haven't, yeah, they haven't officially announced it yet. That's the thing. And so like, I get it. it and it is two different things, but, um, but yeah, Peter is traveling where I don't know. I just told that he was uh, traveling abroad. That's all that I was told by the club. So, um, and, but yeah, no, you're right. I mean, Hemi, obviously he, he's most likely not going to be tag, you know, interim and he's not going to have that, but you know, I, I don't think it's unheard of for it to happen. That would I, ideally, would it be that long? Probably not, but that's what I think might happen, you know, depending on who the pool is and who they interview and, you know, are they the right fit for the club? No, I mean, I, I get that it's a big decision. It's, it's a pivotal point in the future of this club. Um, especially with, with the stadium, uh, hopefully come in and, and, and everything like that. But it's, it's also a pivotal point in this season. And, and this season is going to go a long way into what the future of this club looks like. Um, and so I, I just, I, I I trust Peter and Itamar both, who we know are kind of workaholics, to work double time to get something in place and something done. And, and it might be, you know, five or six, seven, eight, nine, ten days before they actually pick somebody. But that that doesn't seem like well, that seems like too long to me. Like they've already kind of narrowed their list down. They've already made phone calls. They've already it's it's Tuesday now. This was announced on Saturday. I can guarantee you some Saturday some Sunday and, and Monday phone calls were made. Uh even though Peter was was busy with interviews and stuff like that. I think um I I really, really believe that they've got their list narrowed down quite a bit and will will be doing whatever it takes to get somebody in place. Somebody that they think is the right guy. I'm not saying they're out here rushing it, but um a month is a really long time uh, and I don't think they need that long to figure out who they want and to get something in place to get them in here. Yeah. And you guys, you know, you guys could absolutely be right, you know, and you know, maybe it won't take that long. Um, you know, but yeah, you obviously they, they do have to do due diligence. They have to find someone that Peter talked about, you know, finding someone who has, you know, cup experience, you know, who, who wants to come in and win a cup and you know, work towards winning these trophies and, you know, keep building the culture and, you know, play a, you know, an aggressive attacking style of football, you know, play something that, you know, that looks good. You know, it's, you know, and, and then you know, you've got to find someone too, that's going to fit well with the guys, you know, obviously they're going to have to come in and he's going to have to mold them to what he wants to do because, you know, when he, whenever the new manager does come in, we're going to see, we're likely to see a drastic shift in whatever system he, whatever system they bring in because you know what Troy and Zach did was very deliberately designed for the players that, that Troy wanted and that Zach wanted so um yeah you know something that you know that we like you know maybe we see more to more to at the top maybe we see you know less of the less of the wingbacks I, I don't know we don't know at this point um but you know I did talk to David Carl earlier today he said there is no update on the coaching search um you know so I, we don't know we, we honestly don't know. We have no idea on the time frame that the club has in terms of doing this. So, um, I mean, that being, all that being said, um, looking ahead to Saturday, Tampa Bay, 
tough matchup on the road with first assistant, you know, Masaki Himi in charge, uh, getting the guys ready for this weekend. Do you, I mean, given the emotional impact of, of the weekend, you know, uh, Zach leaving and the guys clear, you know, clearly not performing well in, in that match on Saturday, or at least not performing up to where we thought they would be on Saturday. Um, do you think Masaki and crew are able to get the guys ready in time for Saturday? And, you know, do we look competitive against a pretty good Tampa Bay side? Yeah. I mean, we, st- we still have the talent. Talent's still definitely there. Um, who knows? Maybe I, typically you see it with, with a club that's struggling and they fire the manager. Um, you get, you might get a one or two match bump um, of them playing better. That's not what happened here though. So it's kind of hard to say, you know, if we're going to get uh, a down and depressed team or a, uh, a fired up, Hey, let's go, let's go prove ourselves um, in this tough place to play over in Tampa Bay. It's, 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 it's kind of, I mean, I don't know. I, did, I really just don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I like to think that, um, I, I think I think we're going to go out there and perform better than we have at time this year. Uh, whether that's going to be enough, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see. Harry, it's better for the club to get the higher right. El Paso is a prime example of a higher gone wrong. The impact happened. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, El Paso clearly made the wrong decision last year, you know, yeah, but uh, they, they made the wrong decision over the entire off season. Like they just, that was just, on whoever was making that decision yeah. to begin with. Uh, <laughs> that, that was, that was not a rust rushed decision. Uh, not a, a hastily made decision. It was uh, uh, well thought out and uh, just poorly executed decision. Alan says uh, a couple rally, hopefully on Saturday, Aaron, all I know is I'm ready for that new manager bounce. I mean, yeah, I mean that that's obviously something that you, you, that a lot of people believe in, you know, you see a new manager come in, the guys, you know, have an extra pep on their step and, you know, they start picking up a couple wins, uh, a couple good results in a row. And so, you know, that could very easily be a thing once the new manager is named and, and uh, you know, you look at, again, I, I just, I feel like that normally happens when it's like a manager leaving that they were tired of. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that was the case here. So I'm not a hundred percent sure a new manager bounce is coming with him. anyways, maybe if they bring in a new when they bring in a new guy and I think that's what he's referring to. Okay. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure what you're referring to Aaron, but I, I don't know if that's going to come this match. Uh, John, I really don't want to go in the Phoenix game with an intern. You know, I, you know, honestly, I, we've watched some Phoenix this year. Phoenix still is not that great of a club. They still have issues. They, um, so I wouldn't be too, I'm not terribly concerned about that match. There are some others in there that I am concerned about. Um, you know, with, a with, with, the you know, the first assistant, you know, uh, leading the charge, but yeah, Phoenix, I'm not as worried about Earl for you looking Saturday, Tampa Bay, six matches unbeaten for, for the Rowdies. Um, you know, it, do you think there's some sort of Hemi magic that, that comes out on Saturday? I mean, one can only hope, um, I don't think that there will be Hemi magic, Hemi magic. Um, you never know, um, but I don't like the timing of it. Obviously, 
you lose your head coach, you go into a you go against a strong team with a backup head coach with an assistant. I mean, the odds are stacked against you either which way you look at it. Um, so no, I don't like it. And that's that's that. Harry over the chat and USL, you're never out of the playoff race. I mean, really realistically, yeah, especially in the Western Conference until you are mathematically eliminated. So no worries on NMU and needing to rush it. So um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, the, the West is always close. It's been close every year, that, you know, since we came into the league. Um, so yeah, even if we have a few down matches here until we get someone named, you know, I, I think there's still an opportunity for us to sneak into the playoffs towards the end of the season. But yeah, talking about Tampa Bay, you know, their team, they've they're not quite as good as they've been in past seasons, but they are still one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. They historically have been. Um, you know, they've got they've got a pretty good side over there. Yeah, you know, they had a good coach in, in Collins. And, you know, this is a match you know, that I'm not terribly fond of. A matchup I'm not terribly fond of. I mean, they have some guys that we don't match up well against. You know, they have Cal Jennings, they have JJ Williams, guys that we've been, we have not performed well against in the past. Um, you know, top to bottom, you know, Tampa Bay is an extremely talented roster. Um, do I think we see a little bit more energy out of the guys on Saturday? Absolutely. Do I think we see, you know, a, a better performance? Yes. Do I think we walk away with this one with a win? Probably not. Um, but that's just because of the, the nature of the opponent that we're playing. Um, you know, I get Tampa Bay is a very good team. Um, and I, you know, I, I think we have the pieces to do it, but but realistically, can we on Saturday? I just don't know. I don't believe that we do this weekend. Um, so let's get some scoreline predictions, and uh, we'll start getting out of here. Earl, let's start with you. <clears throat> two nothing them. Okay, two nil. Lightning just struck when Earl said that. I think you angered the god there. Um, <laughs> I'll say one one draw. One one draw. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I just I, I don't I, I, I'm not fond of this matchup. I don't I don't think we match up well against them. Um, three three one Tampa Bay. Fuck both y'all. <laughs> I just it, it's. It's just hard. It's a hard one to call. And we none of us like picking against United. None of us do. But, you know, we try to not be homers like, you know, some other shows. Looking at you, seriously, Loco. Um, but, yeah, it's just it's going to be a tough matchup. You know, tough week for the guys. So it'll be interesting to see what happens Saturday night in Tampa Bay. So that match, of course, will be 530 uh, 5.30? Yeah, 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time. So no late match. You go out and have a date night afterwards. Enjoy your evening. Um, guys, before we get out of here, do you guys have any closing thoughts? No, nothing from Earl. Jacob? No. Um, John, really? Why? Why, people? Why? Anyways. Um, You're the no. only homer. I said one one. Like we're talented enough. I know we are. Mm-hmm. Um and, and especially if Suggs and Seymour are back. because uh, that, that small side note on the El Paso match, uh, we're missing um two of our top five defenders. Um 
and Brucey was just now coming back from a, a couple injuries, I think. But so. I also so I also talked to Brucey um, after the match, and he said he was playing not one hundred percent. Yeah, um, I think that's obvious. You know, well, right. and what was Besides interesting? The wrist, he had other things going yeah. on. He said well, and, he was maybe sixty percent at best. And what was interesting was in the in the media, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Media guide. Yeah. Match notes. Match, match notes. notes. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, it did say Bruce was questionable with a lower body injury, not mm-hmm. the wrist. So, um, yeah, definitely. We, we definitely weren't 100% as a club out there. And so um, it is what it is. We'll, we'll go to try to take it to Tampa Bay um, after a, some jarring news on Saturday. And, and yeah, just uh, it is rough, man. It is rough. Seth, you got anything for us? Um, yeah, nope. I mean that's something we did we didn't mention either. You know, a lot of injuries on Saturday. I mean, we had no defenders on on the bench Saturday night. So, um, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see. And you know, where is Timothy Zali? Oh wait, he got loaned out. So, um, yeah, I'm not gonna shit on that too much because there was probably something there that we don't know about. Um, it's entirely possible, but and so yeah, I don't know, but yeah, that's. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you guys all for hopping in. You know, one of our best uh, watched live shows ever. Thank you guys all for being here. I do appreciate all the comments and questions in the chat. Again, we are here every Tuesday night at nine. So this will be live in your podcast feeds later this week. Please go check it out. Um, that being said, Jacob, get us out of here. Yeah. Um, it might take me just a second here because we had a lot of people commenting. But because of that, I want to thank John and Henry and Harry and Aaron and Ellen and Jane and Robert reluctantly. Um, I'll thank Jerry for popping in uh, just so I could have the uh, ability to ban him from the chat. Uh, that was nice. Uh, Rachel, of course, was in the chat. Um, just just a, a great showing here. And uh, we appreciate all of you guys for tuning in live, uh, commenting. Um, for those of you that are listening to this podcast in the future, uh, thank you guys. Uh, be sure to... Ch- come on live and be able to get in the chat with us. I know, I know for some people it's a little late, uh, starting at nine o'clock, but when you have little kids, uh, that go to bed at, at seven 30, eight o'clock and, uh, like to have that hour in between where I can wind down. And, uh, had we started any Earl earlier, Earl would have been swimming in his house. So, um, I know it's late, but, uh, we really appreciate you guys being able to come on. Uh, we went a little long today, but obviously there was a lot to cover there. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, don't attack people personally that you don't know. Um, and you know, just, just it's almost dangerous guys. Fit. You've been listening to Somos Mas, your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United, the USL and the New Mexico runners. All of our shows are recorded live on Tuesday nights and are streamed on our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter pages. An audio-only version of the show goes live later in the week on all major podcast platforms. Our show is written and produced by Seth Bidoff, Jacob Terrell, and Earl Nieto, and is edited by Seth. All episodes are recorded and edited using StreamYard and Audacity.